Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of the message today is A Scene from Heaven. I'm going to take a few moments this morning to talk about a scene in the Bible where someone had a vision of being in the throne room of God. Now, you may guess who I'm talking to because, about because you're well-versed in the Bible. But did you know that there's over 10 people who have been in the throne room of God in Scripture? And when they talk about it, they fall to the ground. They can't stand. They fall prostrate to the ground. Uh, Sometimes we can live our whole life and because we don't see him, we often forget that we are going to see him one day. And when we see him, our minds are not going to be able to compute what we're seeing. Nothing we have ever seen in the world will be like what we see in God's throne room. We'll stand before God. There'll be great amounts of love. Love so thick. Love so far. That we cannot compute how awesome it is. It is a love that exceeds anything that we have ever understood about anything. It's overwhelming. Isaiah talked about what he saw in chapter 6. He said that as he walked in, he could not... There's some theologians, there's some commentaries that say that he didn't even get all the way into the throne room. His body could not handle it. That he was leaning against the doorpost like a dead man. And he said that the train of the Lord's robe, it filled the entire throne room. Many of us have seen brides when they get married, a a train behind their, their gown and it's like 20 feet long. Imagine a train so large that it's literally wrapped around the throne so much that it fills the entire throne room. And then this part, if I had every adjective in the English language, I still could not describe What a seraphim looks like. The word seraphim means to be on fire. A seraphim is not a white angel uh, with white clothes and white wings. That is not what a seraphim looks like. There's probably angels that do look like that, but not seraphims. Seraphims are like torches. From head to toe, they're on fire. They're on fire and they cannot look at God any any better than we can look at the sun. They can't look at him. That's why I believe that Isaiah truly was kneeling at the doorpost. They have six wings. All of them coming from their back. The two up top cover their eyes because they cannot look at God. He is too mighty. He's too powerful. They are on fire, but they can't look at the one who set them on fire. They've got other wings that cover their feet because their feet do not deserve their feet. The feet, the most filthy part of their body, should not even be exposed to the almighty God. And the other two wings fly them around. And and all they do is shout 
about what they see. They yell the word holy. They yell it. Holy. Now when they say holy, the definition of holy means to be separate. In other words, the word holy means I have never seen anything like this on all of earth throughout the universe. There's nothing like this. Holy. It's majestic. It's powerful. All of creation is held together within God. There are no stars outside of him. There are no galaxies outside of God. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 it says he was before all things and all things are held together within him. And this is the creator, the being that we will one day stand before. And if you study the book of Revelation, if you study Ezekiel 38, 39, Daniel chapter 11, Matthew chapter 24, Mark 13... Mark 13, Luke 21, the book of Revelation. And you study those signs, you will see that our appointment with him is drawing near. We will talk to him very, very soon. It's not something to dread, it's not something to be fearful of, but it's something that we must be prepared for. We cannot pretend like this is going to happen At the end of our life, when we're retired and we're not doing anything, and now's a good time for him to come. He is going to come in a twinkling of an eye, and when we see him, yes, how we lived our life will most certainly be discussed. How we lived our life, was it built with wood, uh, straw, and hay, like in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, or will it have been built strategically? That will come up. But more than anything, what you will experience is the presence of God. Heaven is not heaven because it has streets of gold. Heaven is heaven because there's the presence of God. That's what makes heaven. And when we see him, it will be overwhelming. I have often thought as a child and even as last, a matter of last week, what am I going to do forever? What am I going to do forever and ever and ever and ever? And then after forever is over, we will just be beginning. What am I going to do? I received the greatest gift a man could ever receive from God. I saw Jesus and I felt his presence. And if that is all I do for eternity, is to look at him and to be in his presence, that will be heaven. That's how unbelievable his presence is. The enemy spends great amounts of time trying to convince us to invest our whole life into what we see, what we can smell, and what we can touch. Oh, he is a liar. In John chapter 8, verse 44, it says, when he lies, he is the father of lies. No, when he lies, he speaks his native tongue. He is a liar and the father of lies. The first lie that he ever The first lie he will ever tell you is that God does not exist. The next lie that he will tell you is what you do here on earth does not matter. Those are the two lies that he will feed you. Number one, God does not exist. Number two, what you do here does not matter. He is a liar. He's constantly lying. 
And so there's this moment, I'm going to talk about three stages of being in his presence. The first one was the vision, and I just talked about it. The second one is the transformation, and then number three is the calling. The transformation took place when he looked at God and he, he could feel the, the, the contrast. He could feel the contrast. The, the angels off of their lips were yelling, holy, holy, holy. And he knew off of his own lips was not holy. It was everything but holy. It was sinful. And he said, woe to me, my lips are sinful. Now think about that for a moment. Why are his lips the first thing that comes to his mind? Why not his hands? Why not his heart? Why not his mind? Why not his spirit? Why not his feet? Why his lips? It's at that moment where I believe that the revelation that out of the abundance of the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth, his lips were dripping with sin because it was the, the, the exit of the heart's abundance. He says, I've been dripping. I, 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 I am sinful. Woe is me. In some versions of the Bible, not the King James version. I think it's the message version or the NIV version. It says, woe in me. I am going to die. That his presence is so great and his lips were so sinful, reflecting the sin in his heart. I am going to die just being in his presence. He hasn't even talked to him. He hasn't even looked at him. Just being in his presence. And then the transformation. I said I was going to talk about three things. Number one, the vision. Number two, the transformation. Number three, the calling. Number two, this transformation. How does someone so sinful... How does someone so sinful that cannot even stand in the presence of God experience a transformation? The transformation for Isaiah has got to be so radical that he has to become a completely different human being. Have you ever been there before in your life? I, that is probably, if you add up all of my prayers and put them into categories, that's probably the prayer I have prayed the most. God, I am asking you, I am asking you to make me into a completely different person. Nod your head at me if you've ever made that prayer. Make me into a completely different person. There's a responsibility that I have. There's a responsibility that you have. It's in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22. It says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of living, which has been corrupted by lust and deception. And allow the Holy Spirit to renew your thoughts and your attitudes. And put on your new nature, which is like God, truly holy and righteous. There, there is this initial step of, of taking this old sinful nature and admitting it. Woe is me. My lips are sinful. God, I, but then there's this other side of, I can't fix it. I can't, I can't, I can't fix it. I can't do it. I can't do it. What I hope for, what I long for, what I dream for, it's, it's out of my reach. The, the person I am is not the person I need to be in order to do what I want to do. I need the Holy Spirit. 
I need the Holy Spirit to make a complete transformation. And so the transformation happens in a way that oh, only God could come up with such a majestic way of doing it. An angel, one of those seraphims that's flying around like a torch, flies towards the altar. God is on the throne. The throne is for God, but the altar is for us. The seraphim flies to the altar with a pair of tongs. He can't even touch the coal. He grabs it with a pair of tongs and he flies. He flies down to Isaiah and he touches his lips. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 6, it says, And he flew to me and touched my lips with this coal. And the angel said, See, I have touched your lips with this coal. Your guilt has been removed and your sins have been forgiven. See, I I find it so fascinating that he says your guilt has been removed and your sins have been forgiven. Sometimes God will forgive us, but we don't forgive ourselves. Have you ever known in your heart that the person that you wronged has forgiven you? Have you ever known in your heart that God has forgiven you of your sins, but you just can't forgive you? You can't forgive you. You you believe you've lost too much time. You believe that what you've said well is it's etched in stone and it will never be forgotten. You believe, you really believe that. This this coal that an angel couldn't even touch touches the lips of a man. It's so hot and so holy, an angel can't touch it, but yet human lips can feel it. There's certain degrees of holiness and power. There's certain degrees of grace and mercy that angels cannot even comprehend. It's reserved for you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9. Let me start at verse 8. It says, and God will keep you strong until the end. Have you ever laid in bed and thought, God, if you don't help me, I'm going to find a way to mess up my life. If you don't help me, I'm going to find a way to to crawl into hell. I'm going to find a way. I will find a way. I've got so, my flesh is too strong. And he says this, I, I will keep you strong into the end. It's, I, I have this picture of, of a child and, 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 and the child's holding the, the mom and dad's fingers as they walk. Says, I will, I will walk you that way. Don't worry. I will walk you that way. And he says, for I will do this. For I will always do what I say. And watch this. And I have called you into partnership with Jesus Christ. Partnership 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 there's found there's there's salvation and then there's partnership there's salvation and then there's partnership there's salvation and then there's partnership jesus is looking at the angels he knows isaiah is over there The transformation has taken place. Now here comes the calling. We're going from salvation to partnership now. And and, and the Lord said to the angels. And and Isaiah said this is. And then I heard the Lord. I heard the Lord saying. 
who will go for us? So he's looking at the angels. He's looking at the seraphim. The seraphim have stopped flying. God is talking to them. And he says, who will go for us? Whom shall I send? And then what I believe is he looks over his shoulder. Like, there's only one guy in the room. There, there's no one else in the room. It obviously the Lord is talking to Isaiah. He's purposely raising his voice, talking. There's only one guy, there's only one candidate. He's saying, who will go for us? The question is, is whether or not he wants to. That's the question. And here's the reality. Let's just be super, super, super honest. Partnering with the Lord is no easy task. Partnering with the Lord with your whole heart, with your whole mind, with your whole life, your whole life, your whole life. Oh, man. Oh, very few, few, few people do that. Very people will give them. I give you my heart. You, you I, I thank you. Are my savior? You're my savior. You're, you're my savior. You're my savior. But, but as far as me serving you, now that's a completely different ball game. Why is it? Why is it that people are hesitant to say, here I am, Lord, use me. That's what Isaiah said. Why is it people are hesitant to say that? I I think I know why. And and it's legitimate. Paul said yes. Paul said, you can use me. Paul said that. And he wrote in in 1 Corinthians, it's either 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, but it's chapter 9, verse 16. Oh, it's 1 Corinthians. It says this, a great door of opportunity was presented before me, and many opposed me. See, the great door of opportunity does not come without opposition. It doesn't come, you know, in full transparency, my wife and I were talking last night and we were talking about the things, the fiery darts that have come into our life over the past few weeks, which have just one dart is enough to break a man. One. One dart. We started adding them up just within the last six weeks. And she says to me, she goes, are we going through all of this because of the opportunity that we said yes to? I said, we got into a little argument. I said, I, I, don't, I don't think so. She says, well, I know so. <laughs> so I started arguing. Another dart flew into our kitchen. <laughs> I said, I think we're going through all this, not because of what we've done, but because of what's coming. So we got into an argument. Are we paying a price for giving our life or are we paying a price for what's coming? And then we realized we're both probably right. Imagine that. (laughs) We couldn't settle with that, though. Somebody had to win. So we just kept on going round and round. You know how it is. I'm in it to win it now. 
We have no idea what we're talking about. These are holy things. But it's enough to break a person. It's enough to break a person. It's enough to make you believe. And and I'll say this. I don't like being too transparent because somebody always corners me out in the lobby to, to set my set me straight or give me a little letter and stick it in my pocket to set me right or send me an email and say, this is what you need to be thinking. So it's like degrees of transparency that I can have with you. After all, you have to remember, I'm anointed to preach it, but I got to live it like everybody else. But there's degrees of transparency that you allow me to have. But the reason why I didn't believe what she was saying was true. She's saying that we're paying a price for all the fruit that we've bared so far. And I, I'm not at all, at all, at all impressed with the fruit in my life. Not even remotely. And it's not worthy of fighting over it because it's not that significant. So we got into it. You think the church, you think the TV program, you think, and in my mind, in my mind, I haven't contributed anything worth an attack, an organized attack from hell. Now what I believe is that the plans ahead of me are worth an attack. But dive into my world. Is there anything about what I just say make you tilt your head? Like, Frankie, you really don't, you really don't believe that the fruit that you've bared in your life is worthy of an attack from hell? You really don't believe that? No, I don't. But you do. You're right. I'm wrong. But this is part of many who oppose me. This is part of the discouraging life that everyone who says, yes, Lord, choose me, signs up to live. So why do you think most people don't say, yes, Lord, choose me? Who wants to live a life where you feel like you're so-and-so and so-and without not reaping, reaping, reaping? Who wants to live a life of only feeling like you are not contributing anything? Who wants to live that life? Because I'll say this. Nobody gets arrogant when they're truly serving God. You may say that preacher's arrogant. That worship director's arrogant. That person's arrogant. This person's arrogant it's very likely and and i think that you would say they're not truly serving god because when you truly serve god you know who he is and you know who you are it's abundantly clear and our flesh wants to feel like we're doing good i just want to do good this is why i don't play golf people i don't need four hours of feeling like a loser Four hours, four hours of feeling like a loser. Four hours of hitting a ball in a tree. Another hit the ball in the tree, hit the ball in the tree, hit the ball in the tree. Who wants to live four hours while the other guy is just having a wonderful time? You got to stare at him, have a wonderful time while you yourself are going through hell sideways. And you're just mad and you're trying to have a good time. You don't want to ruin the whole day. Who wants to sign up? Not for four hours. Your life. How about I don't get into it? The cost of discipling 
is much higher than the cost of being discipled. To be discipled, you just listen. You do the best you can to obey. To disciple, you're constantly turning around saying, are you following me? Are you with me? Do you care what I'm saying? Jesus turned around and looked at Peter and said, are you going to leave too? This is what life is like when you say, yes, Lord, choose me. You're constantly wondering if anybody wants to be around you. You're constantly wondering if you have anything to offer. You're constantly wondering, 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 wondering. wondering. That's what life is like. Does anybody want to sign up for the ministry? Does anybody want to give their life to the Lord and serve him? Does anyone want to do that and just feel like a loser your entire life? We got signups in the lobby. It's like parenting. How many of us just go, <laughs> I'm not trying to brag, but I'm just the greatest dad you've ever seen. By and large, parents, do we not feel a little embarrassed? That we've missed the mark. This is the life of discipling others. I want to challenge you in 2022. Be strategic. And have the fortitude. Have the fortitude. To continue on with your servanthood. Anyone can serve for a week. When they went out and saw John the Baptist, they thought for sure they would find a weak man because he's, and he's faced the onslaught of attacks. And Jesus said this, what did you expect to find? A weed shaking in the wind? Let the Lord say that of you. What did you expect to find? A reed shaking in the wind? Do you receive that today? Come on, put your hands together if you receive that. Thank you for saying good word. I missed you guys. Are y'all back for a little while? You back for a little while? Yeah, how long are you back? For a couple weeks, a couple months? Eh, so-so. I was in Brazil a couple weeks ago. And um, I was praying for this woman... It was really, really radical because when you pray for someone, more is happening in the supernatural than what you can see. It's like everything in the ministry. If any one of you are bold enough and courageous enough to to lead a life group, more is happening in the supernatural than what you can see in the natural. For me, the only thing I was doing is I was praying for this Brazilian lady talking through a translator in Portuguese all of a sudden. Bam, she falls to the ground. Well, she came down for healing, but as soon as I touched her, she fell down onto the ground. So I could see the Lord had touched her, but I didn't know if she got healed. But there was a line of people that wanted prayer, and so I just went to the next person. About 10 minutes later, she was next in line. And I just smiled so big because I thought, oh, God, let me be like her. I don't know if she got her healing. She didn't get her healing, but she wanted more of whatever she just experienced. 
You ever see a kid at the buffet line and they come back with a mountain full of food and you're like, what are you doing? And they're like, it's free. <laughs> let, let us be like that kid. Just stack. I want more. It's this, when you're not hungry, when you're sick, the first thing to go is your hunger. When you are not hungry for more of God, you have to ask yourself if your soul sick. And the way you get unsick is you get your nose in the carpet. You get your nose and that this is not, look, I'm going to tell you, just be transparent. I'm Pentecostal. So I'm not going to talk to you like a, pass, a, a Baptist pastor. He'd be much more eloquent. If I were a, a Methodist pastor, I'd be much more succinct in my thoughts. Uh, I'm a Pentecostal pastor. You got to get your face in the carpet. And you got to tell the Lord, I'm not getting up until you bless me. Isaiah 62 verse 6. Those of you who pray, give yourself no rest. So this lady comes back in line. And I pray for healing for her again. And she falls to the ground and she starts contorting. I've seen when somebody has a demon in them. And I didn't know they had a demon in them. That's always very surprising. But this did, this looked holy. She's moving around on the ground like this. And Chiago, help me out. Are you in here? What, what was it? Was it? She come down for her spine? Was it? Scoliosis. That's what it was. But the first time I put my hand on her vertebrae, she just fell to the ground. And so when she came back around, I laid my hand on her vertebrae again. And usually when the Lord allows me to partner with him in this, I feel the vertebrae move. But she fell to the ground again. But this time she's contorting. I'm like, this is, God's doing something. And he clearly does not need me because I keep getting eliminated from the equation. (laughs) And so... Afterwards, after I pray for about 15 people, I go over to her and I said, what, what happened? I got to know. And it was all through a translator, but I got it on film. Why don't you take a look at this? Bom, meu nome é Marcela, eu tenho 39 anos e desde os 9 eu sofro com escoliose, né? Eu tenho um grau avançado de escoliose e eu sinto dores pelo corpo, né? E a primeira vez que puseram as mãos sobre mim, oraram, falaram, olha, eu tenho, é, muitas vezes que eu oro para essas pessoas, a coluna costuma mexer. E eu pensei na minha cabeça, não, isso não vai ser possível comigo. E quando ele colocou as mãos é, é, sobre a minha coluna, eu senti na hora o mover de Deus. Minha coluna, ela foi mexendo igual uma cobra. Ela não foi mexendo de uma vez só. Eu sentia torções em cada vértebra da minha coluna e era assim, foi de baixo para cima. Deus mexia embaixo da minha coluna, estabilizava e parava. Depois ele ia para cima. E aqui na parte superior, onde eu sinto mais dor, foi quando ele fez um movimento tão absurdo que ele puxou meu braço com tanta força que eu achei que meu braço ia soltar do meu corpo. Foi uma experiência incrível. Então ele estabilizou essa parte. Depois ele veio para a cervical, um movimento suave e cura. E aí eu fiquei caída por um tempo, né, muito cansado, porque foi um esforço muito grande. E enfim, eu estou maravilhada com essa experiência, né? E depois eu 
levantei e a pessoa falou, olha, você voltou aqui porque e Deus te honrou porque você voltou, você foi persistente. Deus é maravilhoso. E em nome é de Jesus tá eu estou curada. Eu estou muito feliz, muito impactada é, com tudo que Deus está fazendo e está agindo com mover aqui, com esse tratamento, está sendo tremendo. Your feet for me, please. Isn't that beautiful? Revelation 19:10 says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The Lord wants to do something in this room right now. It's going to be a certain moment. I don't know what it's going to be like. It'll be a thought. It'll be an emotion. Job 4.15 says, And then I felt the presence of God graze past my face, and the hair on my body stood up on end. I don't know what's going to happen to you. Sometimes I just close my eyes, and it's not even faith. I just know he's right there. But he wants to do something in this room. He wants to do something in your life. A new year is not just a calendar event to God. It's not a calendar event to God. It's not. It's not. Daniel chapter 2 verse 21. It says that he controls the, 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 no, he changes the times and the seasons. He's the one that changes the times and the seasons. We note them and try to catch up by putting a calendar to it, but he changes the times and the seasons. He is not at all interested in you reliving 2021 during 2022. He's not at all interested in that. Put your hands out like this and just imagine his face. And let's just see what the Holy Spirit wants to do in this room. I want to challenge you to be as silent as you can and pay attention to his face. Some of you may cry under his presence. But as soon as you know that the Lord wants you to come down to the altar and raise your hands and to surrender your life unto him, I want you to come out of your seat and come all the way down as close as you can and just raise your hands unto the Lord. But don't come because you want to. Wait for that moment where you feel the Lord say, now. Spirit, move in this room. feel close to him as soon as everybody else leaves your attention come to the altar
as soon as it's only you and him in this room, leave everybody else. Holy Spirit, move in this room right now. raised imagine his face as soon as it's only you and him walk away from everyone else are closed I don't know who's down how many people are down here but if there's anyone in this room and you've had a hard heart this entire year you know you don't like being like that you know you don't like it it's become a point of pride now you to come bring that hard heart to the Lord and hold it up to him and say I'm done don't go into next year with that heart don't do it, don't do it do not do it don't give the enemy another year don't give him another minute someone here has had headaches for the last three days if you're here come down here I want to pray for you and I just saw blood coming out of someone's nose that means anything to anyone I, w- I want to pray for you just saw blood coming out of someone's nose I want to pray for you did that mean something to him John talked to him did that mean something to him or not
hands raised. This is a holy moment. There's no official dismissal. We don't need to sing. The Lord is in this place. This is the last Sunday of the year. You can spend the last few moments any way you want to. Jesus.